0: All right, if you got your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn with me to Psalms 128. Psalms 128. Uh, We've been in a collection of talks called the Songs of Ascent. And if you're new with us, I'm going to give you a 30-second recap. Uh, Basically, the Songs of Ascent are the songs that the Israelites would sing as they were traveling three to five times a year to the temple to worship um, at the temple and, and they would sing these songs to prepare their hearts on their journey. So you go on a road trip to Disney and you prepare your heart by listening to Under the Sea or It's a Whole New World or um, whatever other Disney songs are out there. Kind of think of like you're preparing yourself for the excitement. That was the Jewish people's way of preparing their heart in anticipation of worshiping at the temple Mount. And we looked at two weeks ago Psalms 126. And one of the things I said, it was Psalms 126, 127 and 128 just kind of flow in to each other and Psalms. Um, Psalms 126, it was talking about God doing suddenlies in our life. And it was really cool because uh, the power was out for the back half of the building because of whatever reason. And so we were all in the lobby and, um, and I'm just telling you, man, it was just an awesome Sunday cramming everyone in the lobby. And then uh, from there, we talked about last week about how God builds the house. How God builds the house and how we join, we partner with God to build the house of God, to build the kingdom of God. And this week, we're going to talk about the reaping of a harvest of sowing. And, And so here's what I mean Psalms 126, it talks about God restoring dreams, there being hope again. Um, Psalms 127 talks about sowing into the house, sowing into the future, sowing into the vision, sowing into the kingdom of God. And Psalms 128 is what it looks like when someone reaps from years of sowing into the kingdom of God. And so we're gonna we're gonna really dive into this. Dive into this. I actually, to be completely transparent with you, I have the least amount of notes I think I've had in a year. So this is either going to be really short, and some of y'all would say amen. Brody was like, so you're going to finish on time? Um, or it's going to be really long, because the Holy Spirit's going to fall, and we'll see what happens with that. But I want to invite us to, to read, and we're just going to go line by line today, starting in Psalms 128. Verse 1. He says, blessed Is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. And so I want to just start by saying this if you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you are constantly trying to pursue him, constantly trying to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ, you are a blessed person. And I, I I'd say that because I think oftentimes we're very hard on ourselves, we're, we're, we, we, we think very down of ourselves, we think that we're not good enough, or we think that, oh, I sinned this week, and, and so God hates me, and, and I'm here to tell you, like, you are blessed because of what Jesus did on the cross. You are blessed because of that. But he says, blessed is everyone, meaning it's not exclusive, this is very inclusive, but... The blessing comes from those who fear the Lord. Now, I think oftentimes we look at the word fear and we think of like, I'm afraid of spiders or I'm afraid of heights. And, and that isn't what this is talking about right here. One definition said, The fear of the Lord is the continual submission to God in humility and faith. The continual submission to God in humility and in faith, and, and so what I love about that is the fear of the Lord is followed by obedience by us submitting ourselves to the will of the Lord, the plans of the Lord, the ways of the Lord, and when we submit ourselves to that, we are blessed. This past Tuesday night, uh, we had our summer midweeks, and we had Phil Pevsner and Kevin Boydell up here. And we were, we were talking about finances, and I'm telling you, it was such a rich conversation because you're, you're talking to two people, both of them have different businesses, but um, one of the things that I just took away from that is they kept going back to um, financial wealth, financial security, financial freedom starts with, Dave Ramsey-ish, baby steps of habits that you form in your mind, and then you practice it out. And and so if we want to create this surplus of wealth to pass on to the next generation, it starts by us learning to give and save and pay ourselves and not go out to eat every day or go to Starbucks, you know, three times a day like I did whenever I was a teenager. No offense to the people who work at Starbucks. We have a few in here. We love you. We love your coffee. It's just too dang high. All right? It's just too expensive. Just going to say that. All right? Uh, but it is good. It is very good. Triple Venti white mocha. Hook a brother up, all right? Or an Americano cream, one sugar, grande. Why are y'all making fun of me? Like, so anyways, but like I, I think about this. It is continuous, continual habits that we develop in our lives that's going to perpetuate our relationship with Jesus and where we go in our relationship with Jesus. And, and let, me, let me kind of put it this way, just very practical. I know for some of us, reading the Word of God is hard. I don't want you to raise your hands, but reading the Word of God is hard. And, and so maybe you can't sit down and read three chapters a day. Maybe you can't sit down and, and read uh, for two hours a day. Like, I totally understand that, but can you read for five minutes Can you read for 10 minutes? Because what will happen is that 5 minutes will eventually turn into 10 minutes. That 10 minutes will eventually turn into 20 minutes. That 20 minutes will eventually turn into 40 minutes. And then the next thing you know, you are being washed with the Word of God daily. The same thing is true in our prayer lives. And this is something that, that many of you guys know. The Lord has been teaching me this entire year. Um, is, is I, I thought prayer looked like one way, and then I'm realizing there's so much more with prayer. There's so much more that God wants to do in silence and solitude, in and, and, and which my wife is like, amen to that. you know. And there's so much that God wants to do, but it starts with just a few minutes a day of setting aside that time and allowing God to intersect with you in your prayer. You might not be able to pray for two hours a day, but you can pray for two minutes. And that two minutes turns into four. And it's the same thing with worship, right? Um, Here's my point. Just like with anything else in our life, whenever we start to develop these habits of obedience and following Jesus, we will see that long term we start to see the transformation that the Holy Spirit does in our heart and in our lives. In Corinthians, Paul writes and he says we go from one one degree of glory to another, one degree of glory to another, one degree of glory to another. Meaning we expect overnight success and overnight transformation, right? And yes, that happens with our our soul. Our soul is regenerated and we fall in love with Jesus. But the sanctification, the process of becoming more and more like Jesus is something that takes time. And over time, you look back and you're like, oh my gosh, I was a heathen back there. Like, I can't believe what God has done in my life. I could use this example, but everyone knows that the same thing goes with working out. You work out. Eventually, over time, you start to build muscle. The same thing here. Those that fear, those that humble themselves, those that submit themselves to the Lord, allow the Lord to lead them to a life of obedience. He continues on and he says, who walks in his ways. Who walks in his ways, which means we are called to follow Jesus to imitate Jesus to listen to his teachings and to take his teachings and to put them into practice and and let me just say this for for just a moment if you look at the life of Jesus do you want to know what Jesus did more often than not he prayed he prayed He's like, man, I just preached this great sermon, 5,000 people showed up, Woohoo! it's great. And Peter's like, yeah, this is awesome, you know, I got the, the audio version, we're going to put it on podcasts, we're going to sell cassette tapes, we're going to do all that. And Jesus is like, no, 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 I need to go rest and I need to go pray. I need to go pray. And this lifestyle of prayer is what cultivated the ministry of Jesus to have such a great and eternal impact. The lifestyle, lifestyle of prayer that the disciples learn from Jesus is what cultivated an atmosphere and environment for the Holy Spirit to fall and the church to be born with great boldness, according to Acts chapter 4. A lifestyle of prayer is what's going to transform your heart, your mind, your soul, your family. Little, little side tangent. Isn't in my notes. Don't have a lot of notes today. But on third Friday, Friday for the conference, this is everything, this is about to get humorous, all right? This is everything that went wrong on City Church's end, okay? So we get here, I set things up, I'm like, things are great, um, and then uh, they have these massive rice cookers, because they were feeding all the students and stuff. And I'm telling you, I've never seen an operation like this. This was like amazing, but they have these, a rice cooker this big, and they got four of them, right? And so they're like plugged all around the church. And the next thing I know, um, the the electricity goes out, and I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" And so we're like isolating the breakers, and and the you know, hey, your rice cooker is sucking too much power out of the outlet. And so we you know we moved them so like they had a rice cooker in the kids' room, in the office, and the prayer room, and the kitchen. Like it was all over. It was really really cool. Um, and then and then I get a I text Caleb and I said, "Hey man." how's it going at the conference? And he's like, oh, it's great. The fire alarm just went off and we're all outside waiting for the fire department to show up. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So I text Jen and she's, and call her and she's like, no, everything's fine. The fire department's pulling up now. Well, the rice cooker, the steam from the rice cooker set off the fire alarm. And so, you know, by code, we don't want to get in trouble. We don't want to get fined. So they had to evacuate the building, delayed the conference and stuff. And then I'm like, I'm playing a game with Judah and I'm like, oh, I'm a, I'm about to take a nap, because I'm running on like four hours of sleep, right? Um, I'm about to take a nap, literally like, hey, Christy, I'm about to go take a nap. Jen calls, and she's like, Mike, I hate to bother you, but the ceiling in the electrical room just collapsed. (laughs) And I'm like you have got to be joking. So what did I do? I jumped in my truck, and I drove all the way down here, right? I I got down here, and and the the ceiling literally in our electrical room just collapsed. We don't know why. It just did. Maybe it was the subs, the bass from the subs rattled it, and just anyways, and so then I'm literally taking the exit to my house. I'm like, a nap is in my future in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm so tired. I'm like, strung out on caffeine at this point. I'm exhausted. Um, And then Andrea calls me, and she's like, Mike, I hate to bother you, but something happened, and we have no electricity to the stage and to the kids' wing and all of this. And I'm like, those dead gum electricians. And so, like, I'm like, I'm coming in the name of Jesus. And I turn around, and I wasn't really like that, okay? I was like, are you serious right now? Like, um, not at her, not at Jen, not at anything. Uh, and, And so, I'm, I'm driving to the church, and it clicked, it clicked. There are four things that have not happened in a very long time or never happened at once, especially the, the ceiling falling. Like, that's a first, you know? Like, I'm, thank God it wasn't like the kids' room or the prayer room just, you know? Um, and I'm like, God, oh, wait, this is an attack on the enemy. This is an attack on the enemy. So you know what I did? I started praying. I started binding every dark and force and thing. I was like, I bind that ceiling in the name of Jesus. I bind that rice cooker in the name of Jesus. I bind that fire alarm in the name of Jesus. Glory's going to fall in this place. Electrician, you will show up. You know what? I got here. He showed up. He fixed it in 30 seconds. And that night was absolutely amazing. (laughs) Meanwhile, I'm like, I still want a nap. And my wife is like, you just need to stay at the church at this point. I'm like, I'm getting my nap in. And guess what? I did. It was 10 minutes. And it was heavenly. Prayer. Prayer changes things. Prayer changes things. He, he continues on and he says, you will eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed and it shall be well with you. Now, I think that this is interesting because he's talking about you're going to eat the fruit of the labor, which means all of us are called to sow, all of us are called to work, all of us are called to take our hands and to create something out of that that we will end up enjoying the benefit of in our life. Now, I want to talk church for just a minute. I sent out this email this past week, and I said this this past Sunday. I really am am convinced at this point that we are in a sowing season as a church. We are in a sowing season as a church. And, and one of the things that, that requires a farmer, and I'm not a farmer, is when you sow and you plant the corn into the ground or the potatoes into the ground or um, cucumbers, whatever it is, it requires for you to work on the field until you reap the harvest. It requires for you to make sure that the weeds are out of the soil. Listen, I'm no gardener. My wife has been gardening this two years. She makes the, the best cucumbers. I, she makes it. The, the ground makes it, right? Cuc- I was like, I hate cucumbers. And this thing is delicious. Like, um, but, like, she goes out there every day, and she cuts back a little bit on the crop. She pulls the weeds out. She makes sure that it's got all the water that it needs, right? Which we don't really need any more water. Can I get an amen? Because it's been raining every stinking day, right? Thank you, God, for a beautiful day. But but with sowing requires work upon us. It, it requires work. And, and this is something that I was, I was thinking about is like in Psalms 126, God restored the... Uh, The city of Jerusalem back to the Israelites, and then they were allowed to dream again. And something that I think is interesting is dreams end up producing seeds in your life. Dreams end up producing seeds uh, in your finances. Dream end up producing seeds in your family. And God is the one who supplies the seed for the sower. And so whenever we have a God dream, God's going to bring the seed that you need to end up sowing in your life. And so you've got dreams that take place that produce seeds that are then given by God. And then it's up to you to take that seed and say, it is sowing season. I'm now going to sow my seed and I'm going to start working the field that God has placed in front of me. I'm going to start toiling the field. I'm going to start pulling the weeds out. I'm going to make sure that whenever this harvest ends up coming up in my life, it's going to be the best harvest for the glory of God. You know what that means? That means you got to pray. That Like some of us, we think sowing a seed is just sowing a seed of money. I'm not talking about that today. I'm talking about sowing a seed of praying for the next generation, sowing a seed of praying for your family, sowing a seed of praying for your lost friend or your lost loved one that you think is so far gone that there, there's no way God can save them. Well, brother, sister, let me just tell you something. God is in the business of saving those who feel like they're unredeemable. And, and, but it, it's going to take people that are going to sow a seed of faithfulness, of obedience, of generosity, of prayer, in their life. He, he continues on in verse 3. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Now, what I think is interesting is God produces, God allows you to dream again. He then ends up giving you the seed in your life once you've got the seed in your life, you now have to sow that seed in your life. And then in verse three, we see that the person, this man who has this fear of the Lord, who's walking in his ways, who's following and being obedient to the, following, or the, the teaching and the leading of the Holy Spirit is now reaping a harvest in his life. See, what follows sowing season is a reaping season or a harvest season. And I believe that we are on the cusp as a church, of a reaping season. But I don't feel like we're there yet. I feel like it's still time to pray. It's still time to to work. It's still time to work that ground. It's still time to sow in generosity. It's still time to believe and to fight and to pray and to cry out to God. And what we see here is that this this man starts to reap from sowing. He says in verse 2, You shall eat the fruit of your labor of your hands. You shall be blessed, and it shall be well with you. Your wife will be like a faithful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. He continues on. Catch this in verses 4 through 6. He says, Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. Just as a reminder, the man who fears the Lord, the woman who fears the Lord is blessed. Behold, they will be blessed. The Lord bless you from Zion. Zion. May you see prosperity in Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you see your children's children, peace be upon you. Now you probably wonder what does all of this mean for us today, Michael? And so I want to kind of just break this down. Uh, verse three, you, you see right here that it starts to take place. The reaping season starts to take place in the home. Like some of you guys, I might step on some toes here and know that I love you. Some of you guys, maybe you're experiencing complete chaos in your home because you haven't sown into your family, you haven't sown into your children, you haven't sown into your marriage for years, dying to yourself, prioritizing your spouse, investing in your children, and you're wondering why there's complete chaos. It's, and I say this all the time, and we're, we're battling this tension right now because Judah is, is, is pretty decent at baseball, and, like, he wants to play travel fall ball. We've, we've talked about it. But there's going to come a point where if travel ball is always going to end up being on a Sunday and interfering with church, what we're teaching him, what we're sowing into him, is that travel baseball is more important than being in the house of God. And so if we just, all we do is we invest into travel baseball. And listen, I am his biggest fan, and I'm the, I am that dad on the sideline, like, I'm that dad, like, how dare you, ump, you did that, you 13-year-old umpire, like, I'm, I'm gonna fight you, meanwhile, Chrissy's like, Michael, shut up, you are that dad, that is me, right, but, it, but if, if we say yes to travel ball, and it's every Sunday, and he turns 14, 15 years old, and he's as far away from Jesus, and he doesn't want to be engaged with church, and he doesn't want to be belong to church, it's because we've sown for years that sports is more important than Jesus, Sports is more important than being in the house of God. What are we sowing into our family, into our kids? We will reap. We will reap. We, we see then in verse 4 that it is just that gentle reminder, blessed is the man, blessed is the woman who fears the Lord. And then we see in verse 5, the Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. And and what he's talking about there is the welfare for the church. See, they didn't have churches the way we do nowadays. They had synagogues, and then they had the temple, and the temple was at Mount Zion. And so the temple was often referred to as Mount Zion throughout um, the Psalms. And, And he says, the Lord bless you from Mount Zion. The Lord bless you from the community. The Lord bless you from the church. And may you see the prosperity because of the church in the city of Jerusalem. So he's talking about the welfare and the prosperity that we see that that comes from the church. And, And listen, when you are blessed, you have an opportunity to be a blessing. When you are a blessed people, you and I, we have an opportunity to be a blessing. And and let me just say this. As Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, we should be a blessing to other people. The church should be a blessing to the community. The church should be a blessing to other churches. The church should be a blessing to the neighborhoods that surround us. The church should be a blessing to the businesses and the community that is around us. Why? Because we are blessed. We are a blessed people. A love... What it says in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, it says, You are more blessed to give than to, somebody help me, receive. Have you ever ever been at that point in your life where it's just like, I I don't have a lot of money. I don't have a lot of money. And um, God puts it on your heart to bless someone from the lack that you have. Like God puts it on your heart, hey, you got 60 bucks in your bank, I want you to lead, leave a $40 tip. Like, God, are you sure? Oh, yeah. Yeah, You do you trust me? Are you gonna walk in my ways? Are you gonna follow my, the leading of my Holy Spirit? Are you gonna follow in obedience to your life? See, what we are seeing in this text is that the blessing flows to those around us. If we recognize that we are blessed, we will take that blessing and freely give it away and we will be able to bless those around us and they didn't even do anything they're just in your presence and because they're in your presence and because you are following jesus and you have a heart after prayer and worship and diving into the word of god and you live and you walk different than the rest of the people that maybe they're around they are blessed simply by being in your presence on top of what it is that maybe you could do for them. And this is what we see in verse 6. May your children, or may you see your children's children, peace be upon Israel. And and so here we have this man, and he's blessed because he fears the Lord. And, And we see that God gives him a dream. God then gives him the seed for that dream. He then takes that seed and he ends up sowing it into the ground. And he probably works years working in the ground, working on it and making sure. And then eventually what he sowed ends up reaping a harvest. And he ends up being blessed because of the harvest that he reaps. But not only is he blessed, his wife is blessed. And then his wife isn't the only one that's blessed, but his children is blessed. And because he's blessed, then the church is ended up being a is is blessed. And because the church is blessed, the church can then go and be a blessing to the community of people that are around the church. And because those people are blessed, everywhere this man walks, people are blessed. Church, I, I don't know if you recognize this. This is what we're called to be. This is what we're called to do. This is why Jesus gave his life so that we could give our lives for the sake of the kingdom of God. So that we could walk around as a blessed people. So that we could walk around and we could we could recognize, man, there's there's so much more that I can do for the kingdom of God. If we would just look for opportunities to bless people. We would look for opportunity and listen, I'm not just talking about money, all right? We'll talk about that in just a minute. And it's saying I have a minute left. That thing is not true, all right? I don't have a minute left. We're still on time. Y'all will be out of here at 1230 today. But listen, a blessing could simply be opening the door for someone who's in a wheelchair. Seriously. A blessing could be delivering a meal for someone who's been in the hospital and they just got home. A a, a blessing um, could be going and cutting someone's lawn that maybe has back problems or or is just swamped with work. A a blessing could be watching somebody else's kid. A a blessing could be students, you befriending the kids in there that are going to end up aging up in a few weeks. Like, They need that mentor. That could be how God uses you to be a blessing. Now, I wanna talk about something for for just a minute before I I close out. God wants for there to be generational blessings in our lives to flow. And listen, I'm I'm not a money genius. I love money. Um, I love the idea of stocks. I love the idea of what crypto could be. However, I've lost a lot of money in cryptocurrency. Um, and so I don't encourage anyone to invest in, in it, just saying, um, and by a lot, it wasn't a lot. I still have some money, but it's $37 worth, all right? And so <laughs> I'm not even lying. And that, that crypto coin just keeps tanking every day. Like, I'm just like, man, all right? That is not in my notes, what was I gonna say? Okay, generational blessings, generational blessings. God has called his church to be a church that is multi-generational. God has called his church to be a church that blesses one generation to another, to another, to another, to another. And this starts in the home. Not only does it start in the home, it also starts here as a church. This This is why we have so many churches in America shutting down because they forgot about the next generation coming up. They didn't give them space to lead. They didn't give them space to be creative. They didn't give them space to express their worship in a way that's going to be different. And because of that, churches around America, around 3,000 churches a month, close because they're not focused on the next generation. God is a God who's multi-generational. God is a God who called David at a young age. God is a God who spoke to Samuel at a young age. God is a God who anointed kings at a young age. And we are called to be a church that focuses on the next generation. And and so listen, if if you're a follower of Jesus in this house today and you want to experience generational blessings in your life, the best way for you to experience generational blessings is to fear the Lord to walk in his ways, and to sow a seed of spiritual goodness into your family, into your friends, and into those around you. And you will be blessed. Now, the Bible's all about generational blessings. But the Bible also talks about something called generational curses. And generational curses are whenever you live a life and you are picking up stuff that your parents had in their life. You are picking up the baggage that's been on your family history or your family line for centuries. You're you're picking up the sins of your father, and you don't need to pick those up. But but here's what i found more often than not, is that many of us, we go about our lives, we get offended in our life, and because our parents get offended at everything, we then just pick up that generational curse of offense. All right, Brody, you got to work with me or this is going to be a horrible illustration, all right? My son's good at baseball. I'm not. But we pick up, we pick up the offense of offense. And what do we do? We start walking around in our life. And you know what? For a little bit, that's okay. We can go about our life. We can keep walking. We can keep talking and having a good old time. Life is just really, really good. Father, we just thank you. Today is a good day. I'm going to walk in his faithfulness. And then, then the next thing we know is something else happens in our, in our life, and we find that we start picking up the addictions of our father. And so not only am I going to walk around, I'm just offended. I'm angry at everyone. Everyone just makes me mad. But you know what? <sighs> my dad, he lived a life that was attached to the bottle, and that's the only place I guess I'm going to be just like my father. And, and then the next thing we know is we start experiencing tension in our marriage, and we pick up the generational curse of divorce in our family. Go and throw that to me, Michael. Thank you. That was a good throw. Brody, take notes. And so, like, I'm, I'm gonna walk around with this and it's okay. Listen, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be very honest with you. Everyone in my family line, everyone, Christy can attest to this, has been married and divorced. Everyone. All my siblings, my mom, my dad, I don't think my dad's grandparents. But like my immediate family, everyone's been married and divorced. You know how easy it is? I'm not going to divorce you. Um, and if y'all don't know, that's my wife. Please don't divorce me. Um, but do you know how easy it would be for me to just pick that up and just say, well, if, if, if this is how it's going to be, I'm just going just to go into it. See, some of us, the generational curses have been passed in our life, and there was nothing that we did. We were just a young child, and we got abused. You throw me the kids' toy because I said young, right? And next thing you know, you're walking around, you got a abuse and you got divorce, and you've got, I'm just offended and angry with everyone, and I don't even know what this one is any, anymore. And, and then the next thing you know is that something else just happens. Why don't y'all just stand up and, and walk over here, all right? Both of you, just come on, come on, stand up. Stand up. And, and so. You're walking, y'all. Just stay there, stay there. And next thing you know, you just like, oh, I need, I need more. Yeah, and you know, go on, put them back in there. You know, you know what happens? You start carrying stuff that you weren't supposed to carry. You start carrying stuff that Jesus died on the cross for. You start, you start taking this. You start saying. Instead of sowing into my family the goodness of God and the blessings of God, I'm just gonna, here, here son, this is the crap that's been going on in my family and I'm just gonna dump all this on you. And we pass it down from generation to generation to generation to generation to generation. In church, I'm here to tell you something today. If you have been living with stuff in your life that has been passed down from generation to generation to generation, and you have been bound by that curse, I'm here to tell you that Jesus Christ on that cross ended up breaking that curse and he set you free. And all you have to do is you have to believe it, you have to accept it, and you have to walk in his ways saying God I, I'm, I'm not like and, and then what happens is that that you know uh, that addiction starts to creep back in and you start to, to pick it up and maybe you walk a week or two and you're thinking about it and then you just remind yourself no 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 he paid for this on the cross I don't need to carry that anymore I'm gonna walk and I'm gonna be a man I'm gonna be a woman who walks and I'm gonna be a blessing I'm gonna be a blessing and I'm gonna walk in his ways I'm gonna follow him in his ways now, let me, let me show you what being a blessing likes. And I'm, I'm, I'm done with this. You can set that there if you want to grab that, Noah. Thank you. Let me show you what sowing looks like for just a minute. And I'm going to use money simply as an illustration. See, walking in obedience is whenever the Lord places something on your heart, you respond to that. So, Fridays, I get paid every other Friday. And I got paid this Friday. I'm, it was a crazy day, so I don't know if I gave Friday or Saturday, but sometime in the past 48 hours, I ended up giving. And I was sitting there and I was saying, God, it's, it's been a little bit tighter this month. You know, we've, we've had, um, we've had birthdays going on. We, you know, uh, we've cut out some spending, but it's just been crazy. And, but you know what, God, you've called me to tithe as a follower of Jesus Christ to walk in your ways, I'm going to be obedient and tithing. And so I got on citychurchalbany.com, I clicked that little blue icon that, that you know, praying man or helping man or whatever he is, and I put in my email address, and I put in my dollar amount that I ended up that, that give every other week, and I, I clicked submit, but this time I did it on the bank card because I wanted to come out immediately so I wouldn't spend the money, um, at, at you know, grabbing a burger or Chick-fil-A or whatever it is, hallelujah, right? and. And I was sitting here thinking, and I really just felt Friday as I was praying for this, God, I just want an opportunity to just be able to sow into someone's life. Doesn't need to be a lot, doesn't need to be a lot. But God, I don't have a lot of extra cash right now. I see my budget, I see the balance. Like, I mean, we're okay, but we can't, I can't just go out and give away you know, thousands of dollars. And then last night, we were at this youth conference and, and someone comes up to me and they give me $100, $100. So I'm like, dope, this is awesome. It was. It wasn't even folded. It was crisp, smells like money. It looks like money. You got Ben Franklin, what's up, homie? He's sitting there and I sat back down over there and I put this hundred dollars in my pocket and the Lord said, remember yesterday how you wanted to sew it? Are you going to be obedient and are you going to sew? Knowing that you could use this hundred dollars. This could go towards paying off a credit card. This could go towards paying my AC bill because it's been so dang hot. Right? This, I could use this money. I could definitely use it. Could we use this money? Yeah. You wanna go on a date? Maybe I shouldn't sew. I don't think I should sew. Let's, I'll sew into you. Anyways, this is where I get the emails later, Michael, shut up. But as soon as God reminded me of it, he said, Michael, this is who I want you to sew into, and you're sewing into the next generation. And so Caleb Dean, I'd like you to come up here real quick. Brother, you better run. You better run. (laughs) Caleb has spent the past two days being up here at 8 a.m. until 10 p.m. tirelessly working. But one of one of the things, one of the things that he was telling me on that sound booth, I don't know if it was Friday or Saturday night. He was just like, "I love City Church." And I can't get enough of this. And I want to be involved in whatever it is that City Church is doing. And I want to see this happen at City Church. And I want to see God move in the next generation. And I want to be a part of that. And you let me know anything you need. I, I, I want to be there. You know what he's doing? He's sowing at 20 years old into the generation that's going to end up following him already. Already. And so, as a seed of faith... This is something I want to sow into you. You take it, you do whatever you want with it. Take your mom out. Y'all go to you know, whatever brunch places. I don't know, but I just want to say thank you for what it is that you're doing, and thank you for your faithfulness to this ministry, and thank for you thankful thank you for your faithfulness to the kingdom of God. And I love you.
1: I'm excited. Can
0: I just say, yeah, yeah?
1: All right, yeah. I just want to say like thank each and every one of you i love city church and we were just talking about it i think yesterday like from the get-go from the first day i was here the love and the the acceptance i experienced in this church was beyond like no other growing up i always felt outcasted i always felt like i was never gonna fit in i always felt this kind of bitterness or hostility from churches i was in and just the love that each of you guys have sown into my life i want to sow back and I just I'm so excited about the city the future of City Church and just experiencing this youth conference and seeing what Jesus is doing in these children's lives. I just watched a room of youth give their lives to Jesus yesterday and I rededicated my life to Jesus cuz I'm like if everybody else I'm I'm doing it I'm right by the soundboard. I just got on my knees and I'm like, "Lord Jesus, like you are it. You are you are the person, you are the thing that laid down your life for these children. You are what is going to get us through your what is going to inspire and change this and I just have, I have a vision for City Church of unity. And I know me and Matthew have talked about it. So many people, we have talked about it. There's going to be unity. And we just got to sow into it, guys. And I love you guys all so much. And if you ever need anything, all of the elders are here. I'm here. Any staff, any any person in this room is willing to help you guys. So I love you guys so much. <laughs>
0: So none of that was planned, and my wife can tell you that I didn't even know until last night that that was going to happen, that we were going to do that. God literally provided. And so I look at my faithfulness and tithing and how God knew that my heart was to sow into someone or something, and he miraculously was not expecting it. Someone gave me a 100 bucks, crisp $100 bill, and immediately he says, now what are you going to do with the seed that I've given you? I'm going to sow it. And he immediately gave me Caleb's name. And then here, you guys get to hear how you've impacted Caleb's life. That's the power of multi-generational blessings. That's the power of the kingdom of God. And there's one other thing that I I wanna show. And um, after this, you guys can come up and I'm gonna pray and we'll get you guys out of here in the next seven minutes or so. Last night, As Caleb said, I I saw something I haven't seen in 20 years. I saw a response of hunger from people I have not seen, teenagers, in 20 years. And I was telling Brody as we were cleaning up, this brought me back to what God did whenever I was a youth pastor. And I was reminded, if God did it, then he can do it again. And if he did it in Texas, why can't he do it in Albany, New York? Why can't he do it in Albany, New York? And th- I'm telling you guys, I've had this word. This is a sowing season for weeks now. And, and last night, it just kind of all accumulated. And if we could, I just want to kill all the lights for just a minute. And I want you, if we could kill these uh, front lights too, just so you can get a glimpse of this. This is close to 300, maybe 250, 270 teenagers. 14 hours ago at this altar right here where we are, crying out to Jesus to transform their life. Crying out to Jesus to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Crying out to Jesus to transform their communities and their cities and and some of them even in the city of Albany. And the Lord spoke to me last night Michael you are called to sow into the next generation and I am believing that we will see this this will be the norm in Albany New York for our teenagers and our young adults I'm believing that this will be the norm for city kids and and you can bring the lights up now and I'm an absolutely hot mess It was so incredibly precious. And that's what, that's what I'm telling you. I was right back over there by the fire extinguisher, by the prayer sign. And I just wept. I'm telling you, I wept and then I tried to sneak a photo over here and and I just went back there and I just cried even more. And that's what God, that's what God is after right there. And so we have an opportunity, church, to sow. Now, I'm gonna take an offering at this point, but I'm gonna, the guys are gonna, they're gonna grab the buckets and I just want you to pray and then we're gonna sing. And if you need prayer for anything, I wanna make this very clear. You guys just stay right there just for a second. You can go in and stand up, go on and stand up, go want to stand up. I don't want you to give out a compulsion. I don't want you to give out a manipulation. If you pray and the Lord tells you zero, you would be being disobedient to giving if he told you zero. But I do wanna challenge you that if God puts it on your heart to sow, I do believe we are going to be a church that's gonna sow into the next generation. We're already seeing it in City Kids. City Kids is pumping every week and I believe we're just getting started. We have a plan right now for the youth ministry. I'm so excited. We'll reveal that in a few weeks to the parents then we'll reveal it to the church. I'm really excited. But I wanna be a church that prioritizes the blessings of God and how we take it and we pass it from generation to, generation to generation to generation to generation. Because I'm going to die one day and these kids, y'all aren't kids, these teenagers are going to take it over. Caleb Dean's going to take this over and they're going to run with it. Thank you, Josh. Josh is so in the Kleenex, right? <laughs> so we're going to give. And then we're gonna sing and the prayer team's gonna come up front. And if you need prayer, man, I wanna invite you to come pray because I serve a God in Psalms 126 who does suddenlies. And maybe for someone today, you need a suddenly. And I serve a God in Psalms 127 who builds the house, meaning he builds your family. He builds your stability. He builds the foundation. And I serve a God who provides a harvest for those who sow. And some of you, you don't need to sow in money today, you need to sow in tears. You need to sow in prayer. And so I'm gonna pray. As soon as I pray, these guys are gonna pass the offering buckets, we're gonna sing Waymaker because he is a Waymaker. Prayer team's gonna be available up here. And I wanna challenge you, come up here. If you need prayer and you pray, don't you worry about who's around you. It's not about them, it's about you and Jesus. And then in a few minutes, Tony's gonna come up and he will dismiss us and we get to go out into this world, and we get to be a blessing. Amen? Father, I thank you. God, I thank you for your faithfulness. God, I thank you that whenever we feel like we are not enough, and God, we know we're not enough. You are. God, I thank you that even whenever we're battling discouragement, we're battling frustration, we getting angry, you provide a way to encourage us. God, you've done that with me. And Father, I believe you're doing that with multiple people here. And God for some of us, you've called us, to respond in obedience, in obedience to sowing a financial gift. For others, it's obedience in sowing in tears of prayer for a revival and for the city of Albany and for our families and for the next generation. God, for others, it's sowing through serving and working the ground. And Father, whatever it is that you're doing in this house today, God, I just ask, Father, that you would prepare our hearts for a reaping season, that you would prepare our hearts and expand our dreams, expand our ask, expand our expectation of what it is that you're going to do in City Church, what it is that you're going to do in our families, what it is you're gonna do in Albany and beyond. Father, I thank you that in the sowing season, you're providing the spiritual strength that we need for when the harvest comes. So, God, as we give today, and as we worship today, as we pray today, I ask that you would be glorified, that you would inhabit the praises of the people in this room. And so, Father, we love you, and we worship you in spirit and in truth. And everybody says amen. They're going to pass the offering buckets. We're going to sing. Prayer team's going to come up. And let's just take the next five minutes and let's pursue Amen.